Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of St. Luke's in Oklahoma City. We are one church with multiple campuses, and under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. Bob Long, we are a family of faith that seeks to share God's love and bring hope to the world. We invite you now to join us for a message of hope. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came for testimony, to bear witness to the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home, and his own people received him not. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Throughout the season of Advent, we encounter the message of Christmas. We hear the message of good news in shopping venues, social media posts, and movies. In the story, A Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens used the spirits to collectively share a message of how Ebenezer Scrooge could live a joy-filled, meaningful life. In Scripture, angelic messengers spoke to Zechariah, Joseph, Mary, the shepherds, and wise men of good news of a great joy that had come. Listen for the message of joy this Christmas as we proclaim... God bless you, everyone. For as many years as I could remember, I had always wanted to go to the Holy Land, to Bethlehem. Always dreamed of seeing the Jordan River, the Sea of Galilee the Mount of Olives, the ancient marketplace, the upper room where Jesus shared his last meal with his dear friends, and of course the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed, not my will, but thine be done. Just thinking about those historic and sacred places excited me. It had since I was a little girl. For some reason, several years back, I hit what I like to call a spiritual low in my life. I think it was because I was serving outside of the local church, and the local church has always been my first love. And so I decided that I needed a little Bethlehem. I longed to see the place where Jesus was born, I longed to walk in the steps where he had walked to be touched again by the wonder and the mystery of that night when scripture and tradition tells us that God sent Jesus 
in the form of a baby born in Bethlehem, whose name was Jesus, or Emmanuel, God with us. Well, it has been several years now, but Ralph and I had the opportunity to go to Bethlehem, to the Holy Land, with Bishop Hayes and a church group from Tulsa, Oklahoma. The lessons that I learned on that trip way back then remain with me to this very day. It was early morning when our tour bus gathered us all on the bus and began to take us to uh, the city of Bethlehem. And as we were on some of the curvy roads there, I looked out the window of the bus and I couldn't believe my eyes. There on the Bethlehem hillside were some shepherds and they were watching their flocks of sheep. <laughs> and it was this beautiful sort of Christmas card scenario and it was so inspiring and I thought, yes, this is what I need. However, when we finally made our way to the city of Bethlehem, it was anything but inspiring. It was chaotic, it was loud, there were people selling their wares and pushing and shoving and our tour guide reminding us to be careful of pickpockets. <laughs> and my thought immediately went to, wait a minute, this can't be Bethlehem. It, it's not possible to be Bethlehem. But it was. A place not at all like I had imagined or expected. And I felt let down. I was disappointed disillusioned, and I'll be honest, I was also angry. I wanted a bit of Bethlehem, and what I got was confusion and chaos and frustration, and I thought, you know, I could have stayed home and gotten this. <laughs> and it would have been a lot cheaper. <laughs> so have you ever felt that way by the time you get to Christmas morning? For many, Christmas comes with frayed nerves and physical exhaustion, long lines, unpaid bills, decisions about where you'll spend Christmas morning. And if you're part of a blended family, well, that just adds another dimension. What we need is a little Christmas, as Angela Lansbury sang in the Broadway musical Maine. We want a bit of Bethlehem as we imagine it to be, but what we get is often this long to-do list that would have worn out Santa's elves and left poor old Rudolph exhausted with a nose that couldn't possibly shine at all. <laughs> but today, this morning, gives us another opportunity to be touched by the wonder and the mystery of God's love. And so I invite you just to open yourself this morning to the presence of God that is surely in this place. On our tour, our next stop was the Church of the Nativity. And I thought, okay, this is where I'll experience that Bethlehem moment. 
we came to the spot inside of the Church of the Nativity that had been marked to commemorate the place of Jesus' birth. And yet I was amazed that even in the Church of the Nativity and in the chapel, I experienced the same chaos that I had experienced in Bethlehem. Again, not what I expected. And after a while, with all the pushing and shoving and everybody trying to get to the place where Jesus supposedly was born, I said to Ralph, why don't we leave? I, I think this is about all I need today. <laughs> and then something happened. I noticed this little girl who was in the chapel. She looked to be about maybe six or seven. And uh, her mother was explaining to her that that this might have been the place where Jesus was born on that first Christmas. And suddenly, in the midst of all of the chaos, none of it bothered her. I watched as this little girl did a beautiful thing. She dropped to her knees, she folded her hands, she bowed her head, and she said, thank you, God, for sending Jesus I love him so. <laughs> and in that simple, serene prayer of that little girl, suddenly there it was, the Bethlehem moment. And it changed everything. And for those of us who were privileged to observe this, it was as if Emmanuel, God with us, just fell on that place and we were touched by the holy. Interesting, isn't it, that it came through a child. Not what I expected. God then provided one of those, what I call, attitude adjustment moments for me. One I certainly needed. I heard that still small voice of God who said to me, Linda, think back to that first Christmas. Do you really think that Mary expected to be visited by an angel with the news that she was going to bear a child who would be the Son of God? And when this unexpected announcement came, Mary responds with what I would say was an expected question. How can this be? since I am a virgin. And even at that moment, in spite of all the heartache that was to come into Mary's life, and while I am convinced that Mary could have said no, she said yes to God's invitation for her to bear a son whose name would be called Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us, whose influence would absolutely change the world forever. And then, of course, there's dear old Joseph, I was reminded, no doubt a hot mess over the whole thing. I mean, he's dealing with the fact that his fiancée is carrying a child. His heart is heavy because he assumes that he has been betrayed. And then God sends an angel. And notice this, just at the time that Joseph needs it most. 
And the angel says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary. Just don't be afraid. Mary's pregnancy was not at all what Joseph expected. And then you have the shepherds out on a hillside, middle of the night, minding their flocks, making sure that all of them are where they need to be. When all of a sudden an angel, a bright light, an angel appears and says, what? Fear not. Now, who of us in this room, if we were on a hillside and an angel appeared to us at night, would not be afraid? Right? We would be afraid. (laughs) But the angel says, look, we're bringing you good news of a great joy. For tonight in the city of David, a baby has been born for you. For you. Of all the people that God could have chosen to tell the good news to, the shepherds certainly wouldn't have expected it to come to them. So we have a census, a crowded city, people pushing and shoving, no room in the inn, a babe born in a manger. Not at all so different from today, right? And yet it was into that confusion and chaos that Christmas happened. Jesus was born. There was no stopping it. Two things I'd like to offer this morning. One, Christmas happens in ways we least expect. Oftentimes, in the midst of our confusion and chaos of our lives. Though he was born over 2,000 years ago, John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And maybe you're a little bit like me, and you find those words sort of confusing. How is it possible that the Word was with God and God was the Word. How is it possible that God came to earth and why? It can be so confusing. And I find that stories help us understand what sometimes is almost impossible to explain. Reverend Henry Carter was a pastor and director of a children's home for children who are emotionally disturbed and can no longer live at home. He was, uh, had written about uh, a Christmas Eve when he was feverishly working on his Christmas Day sermon. And it had been a day of one interruption after another. And he's in his study working on the sermon, and there's a knock at the door, and it's the house mother. And uh, she tells him about a problem with a little boy upstairs, Because Christmas and Christmas Eve is very hard for children who have emotional needs. Um, Three quarters of them go home at least for a night. And then those who are left are confused by the empty beds and the changed routines. And so he follows the house mother upstairs. And this time it was Tommy. He had crawled under a bed and refused to come out. And the house mother pointed to one of the cots. 
Not a hair or a toe showed beneath the bed. And so Reverend Carter talked about the um, brightly lit tree in the church next door and the packages underneath it and all the wonderful things that waited for him beyond that bed. No answer. Still fretting at the time that this was costing him, Reverend Carter then dropped to his hands and knees and he lifted the bedspread. Two enormous blue eyes met his. Tommy was eight, but he looked to be about five years of age. It would have been no effort at all to have simply pulled Tommy out from under that bed. But it wasn't pulling that Tommy needed. It was trust and a sense of deciding things on his own initiative. And so the pastor crouched there on all fours and he launched into the menu that was uh, going to be after the service of their evening supper. He talked about the stocking with Tommy's name on it. And again, there was no indication that Tommy heard the pastor speaking or that he cared about Christmas at all. And then Reverend Carter wrote this. He said, because I could think of no other way to make contact, I got down on my stomach and I wiggled in beside him. And for what seemed like a long time, I lay there with my cheek pressed against the cold floor. At first, I talked about the big wreath above the altar, the candles in the windows. I reminded him of the song that the children would be singing in the service. I told him about Mary and Joseph. And then I told him about Jesus and how much he loved him. And then he said, I simply ran out of things to say. And so I waited there beside him. And as I waited, a small, chilled hand crept into mine. And he said to Tommy, you know, Tommy, it's kind of close quarters under here. What do you say we get out from under the bed and stand up? And so we did. But slowly, in no hurry. All the pressures had gone from my day because you see, flattened there on the floor, I realized I had been given a glimpse of the mystery of the season, of Emmanuel, God with us. Hadn't God called us too, as I'd called Tommy from far above us with his stars and mountains, his whole majestic creation? Hadn't he pleaded with us to love him? And when we would not listen, he had drawn closer through the prophets and lawgivers and holy people. And even then, as John writes, we did not know him. We did not know him. It was not until that first Christmas, until God came to earth to be with us, in our loneliness, in our alienation, in our doubts and in our fears, into any darkness that we encounter, 
that we, like Tommy, dared to stretch out our hands and take hold of love. This morning is a wonderful time to receive the gift of the Christ child, born this day and tomorrow and all the tomorrows of our life, when life is good and when it's not, when we can feel God and when we can't, when we believe and even when we doubt. God is with us, just in ways that we might not expect. Second, one of my favorite lines in this passage is when John reminds us in verse 4 that in him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. And then later on he writes, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In these verses, we find such hope and a promise that into the midst of any darkness that we may be experiencing or that we will experience in the future, that his light has come to walk with us so that we are never alone. Now, how do I stand here and say that? Because of what John writes next. He says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I love the way Eugene Peterson captures that in the message. The word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. Now, think of that image. God took on human form to be with us so that we might know the depth of God's love for us and so that we might learn how we are to live in response to that love. And with that, just as God invited Mary to bear the good news, just as God invited Joseph to leave his fear behind, just as God invited the shepherds to leave the hillsides, to leave their flock and to make their way to Bethlehem, so too does God call us to be bearers of the good news that God is with us, that the light shines in the darkness. Now, to provide an image, or perhaps a metaphor, of, of how we're called to live in response to this great news that we have received, one of my favorite illustrations is the story of Robert Louis Stevenson. Lived in Scotland in the 19th century. As a boy, uh, his family lived on a hillside in this small town. Robert wasn't a healthy child, so he spent a good bit of his time uh, in his room. And uh, late at night, he would often stand at his bedroom window and look out the window. He loved to watch the work of the old lamplighters who went around with a ladder and a torch lighting the streetlights for the night. One evening, as Robert stood there just looking intently out his bedroom window, his, his parents came in and they said, Robert, what in the world are you looking at? 
And Robert said, look at that man. He's punching holes in the darkness. And with that statement, Stevenson summed up the life of Jesus. The one that God sent to be the light of the world. And since the day he was born, to use that same metaphor, Jesus has been punching holes in the darkness and calling us to join him in bringing light into any darkness, bringing hope to the hopeless, loving unconditionally, accepting all of God's children, setting people free, punching holes in the darkness, not just at Christmas, but every single day of the year. For many years, our family, uh, in our family, the first decoration that would go up at Christmas was one of our many nativity scenes, and it was always the last to be put away. And I was okay with packing up, you know, the shepherds and the sheep. I was okay with packing up all the other animals, um, packing up the camels and the wise men. That was okay. And I was even okay with, you know, with packing Mary and Joseph away. But when it came to packing baby Jesus away, I struggled. I didn't care for the symbolism. It was like, okay, I'm going to wrap baby Jesus up in tissue paper, put him in a Ziploc bag, put him in the box, and up in the attic, sort of, well, it's been nice to be with you, Lord. <laughs> Back you go. Out of sight, out of mind. Which is why, now in our family you will find not one, but several nativities that stay out all year long to remind us that Christmas isn't just a day. It isn't just a season in the church calendar, but it is the truth. 365 days of the year that the light of the world has come to show us the way to live and the way to love. And while it may not be what we expected, this is our Christmas story. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own prayers in silence. Amen. You've been listening to the sermon podcast of St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Oklahoma City. We are one church with multiple campuses. 
Learn all about St. Luke's different services and programs on our website, stlukesokc.org. We trust you will experience God's love and hope throughout this week.